Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am excited to have a really interesting conversation. I'm confident it will be a really interesting conversation. Who We've known each other for a few years now. We kind of met at the beginning of the pandemic, I think. Maybe a little before that. I think before, yeah. I think before that. And Vaughn does some really great work with parents around advocacy and collaboration, and in particular related to getting the kinds of supports and accommodations that you need for your kids in the school environment. So I've invited him to have a conversation today about when the school says no and how to get to the yes, or what that might look like in the normal world and what that might look like in the new normal that we're in. We'll just kind of see how that how that evolves. So Von Lauer, it's great to have you here. It's it's great to be here. Tell us a little bit about what you do with families of complex kids and how you came, short version of how you came to be doing this work. Because we talked earlier and and he said that might be a long question. So I'm going to ask you to bottom line it. But what is the work you do and, and what brought you to doing this work? Right. I think the historical perspective is important. And that's just mm-hmm. to know that I spent 30 years in public education as a teacher, building administrator, district office, and state administrator. Right. So I've, I've seen special education from a variety of perspectives and working with states as well. I actually led the development of the, you know, I'll just let that go. There's, remember when Bush said we need uh, no child left behind and every state had to come up with an assessment. Well, California was one of those states, as was everybody else. And I worked for educational testing service and I was asked, hired to be the principal between California, Texas and a whole bunch of other uh, states of people who had never created what we did. Uh, It's the California alternate performance assessment. Very cool. And it's, I won't go into the detail, but we did what I don't think anybody thought we could do in one year. 55,000 kids were evaluated with tests we developed with tools and everything else that goes with it. Anyway, my observation was, this is really collaboration at its best. Really? And I sat down and I, I wrote some things out for myself, thinking, if I had put this in the place of an IEP meeting how much further ahead we'd be. And um, shortly after that, I was talking to, let me uh, close off these so I don't hear anybody. Okay. So we were. Shortly thereafter, you said. I was with my doctor and I mentioned something about special ed. And she said, whoa, wait, what? And she had a child, still does, with autism. And so we need to write a book. 
I said, well, you know, I've just got this great idea on how to lead collaborative IEP meetings. And she said, great, we'll do that. She became very ill, recovered, but I ended up writing the book. And no matter how many times I go through it or present it, people will say, I wish I knew this years ago. And I go, me too. Me too. (laughs) I say the same about our work. And it's not only, I have six key questions you ask in the process and in that order. It's not just what the questions are, it's how you ask them. And the format doesn't require you to know all the laws. It requires you to be inquisitive and say, I want to understand. And when the school realizes you're not yelling at them or pointing at them, or if you're on the school side, you're not yelling at the parent, you're asking for information, then you begin to collaborate. It's clarifying instead of blaming is what I'm hearing, or finger pointing. Sort of, but it's, it's more general. The first question is, where are we? And that amounts to what do we know and what don't we know? And I liken it to the GPS system. In my book, I used a map because GPS wasn't available everywhere or enough. And and if you get into your car for the first time, you can sit there and say, I want to go to Elaine's house all you want. And nothing happens. Right. And the GPS system just sits there. But once it knows where it is, then it can set street maps. which are goals, then it can give feedback, which are the progress reports, and so on and so forth. And that model makes a lot of sense. People get, oh, I get it. Yeah. So you do have a plan. You can't ask for the roadmap until you get this part down. So you're, you're asking the question, and you're also asking the entire team. I've been in meetings, guaranteed listeners have been in meetings where you know nobody was supposed to talk but one person. Right. But what you do here is you say, well, didn't we talk about this, Elaine, the other day? And didn't you say you observed the same thing? And you, as the parent, can say, well, I don't understand that what you talked about. Could you restate it so that I could picture it in my head what you see? And I'll do the same thing when you're asking questions. But I'm I'm asking everybody, So if they were all told not to say anything, you've invited them into the conversation. You're not doing this. You're not yelling at them. You're not putting them in a position where they have to defend themselves, even though you know (laughs) uh, they did wrong. It's, I want to know about my child. And if we agree to that, these are the behaviors that are of concern. Then we can write a goal matching those. Not something new. We don't jump to placement. We don't start with placement. Yeah. Actually, actually, I start a, a meeting with, we're going to have some um, etiquette, rules of etiquette. And that is, what, what can we live with? What do we need for the team to operate? So I'm doing this really, really fast. But you ask everybody, is there a rule that you think needs to be in place? And usually it works down to, to five. Or you can present the five that you have. You know, no phones, whatever, no sidebars, whatever it is. You've already involved everybody and they've all reached agreement. So if things get carried out of hand, you can say, wait a minute, we agreed in our rules this. So can we come back to that? So when you're writing your IEP, you have your, um, you have your uh, present levels of performance, you have the goals, and then you're going to talk about 
the services. And that's another place where somebody will, not usually the parent, will say, oh, no, we, we're not going to provide that. And then you say, "All everything I've done is ask a question. I'm making those statements. You say, okay, but we, we agreed that this was a problem. And then we agreed that this was the goal to be achieved. And then we're looking at something that can address this problem. Why would you say, no, I'm not sure. Could you explain that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's step back because I'm getting a little confused because I heard you've got the six questions. You start with, where are we? Where are we? Mm-hmm. And then the rules of etiquette, it sounds like, is something you do before you start. It is. It's your very first step in collaboration, and people don't realize they're working together. So you're creating a collaborative process and coming with some agreements that are just about how we're going to talk to each other in this space. It's we subtle. start with rules of agreement, mm-hmm. right? But it sets the stage. I love what, I it love does. that that model. So then you move into your six questions. Where are we is the first one. What's the second one? Um, where do we need to go? Okay. Not not to what do I want? Where do we need to go f- to meet these behaviors that we've we've stated out? And so, when have you stated those behaviors? When have you set the goals? Because I hear where we are now is kind of identifying where we are. Yes. Now we're going to write goals, which are based on these present levels of performance. And if we say these are the areas of concern, this is what we want to address in the IEP. Let's take each one and write a goal. So, and where are we? We're identifying the personal levels of performance. That's question one. That's question one. And then we move into, okay, so what are the goals we have for each of those personal levels of performance? Yeah, except we stated, what does the child need? Where do need, we need? Right. I just want the construct for parents to understand what they're, Sorry. the reason for asking the question. Okay? And it's always kid-based. Right. It's not, I'd like this. I want this. I insist on this. If you do then folks have and should ask you why. How does that fit into the present levels of performance that we were talking about? Can you explain that? If you can't, it's almost if you can't defend it, then don't. Let's put it over here. We'll come back to it. But it isn't here. We didn't identify that as a need. So let's build off what we have. And then if we need to make addendums, we can come back. So that's our second question. Once we have the goals set in behavioral and in measurable terms, which is a task in itself. Right. But we say, okay, is this stated so anybody can read this IEP, knows exactly what we're talking about? Yes. Is that the third question? Well, no, that's part of the writing of the goals. Okay. So make sure it's stated where anybody objectively could understand it. If that IEP transfers to another school, they're not going, what the heck does this mean? Okay. We're not writing goals with 50 words in it, and I've seen it. Keeping it simple, right? Oh, yeah. And make it make sense. Here's a great example of an IEP goal that doesn't make sense. We'll cross the street safely eight out of 10 times. It's got all the, exactly, Elaine. It's got all the components. And, and I know you're laughing. I saw this. It's off. brilliant, actually. It's a great example, Von. But it's true. Right? I'm going to say decades ago, when I was at the state, we would audit school districts. And I, I found this and I read it to my, my colleague. <laughs> and we're cracking up. And I thought, well. But it's also horrifying, right? But it's still out there. Yeah. My wife had the same thing show up. I was at a a presentation and somebody said, 
they had it. And an av- another advocate that I was talking to said, what's the dumbest goal you've ever seen? I wrote it. She said, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And so I'm like, yeah. yeah. Still out there. It's got all the components, but it doesn't make sense. All right. I want to keep us moving. So once you've got behavioral and measurable terms identified, what's the third question? How are we going to get there? And this is what do we need in order to achieve these goals? And this is where we get into related services or accommodations or assistive technology or four hours of this or five hours of that, we're defining now what the services are we're going to provide that are going to achieve that goal. And we ask ourselves, is that sufficient to make this goal happen for this child? Got it. And this is an area where I suspect a lot of parents struggle because they don't always know what the services are that's available. And that's part of the book where you ask, how will that help? Okay. So, so is I, that a separate question or is that still part of this number it's, three? It's the underlying. Oh, it's it's the subtle part of collaboration. Number three. You're okay. always asked. Notice I haven't made a statement yet. All I've done is ask the team, how will that help? Right. Okay. So is how do we know we're getting there? And so this this is where the question I just asked, how I know it will help. Well, we're going to send you home progress reports in behavioral and measurable formats periodically and not, please, not making progress, doing good, getting there. Because at the end of the IEP, you find out he didn't achieve the goal. Of course not. You had no idea. Wait a minute. You said he was making progress. That's not the kind of, the law says that the the progress reports are to, to be based on the measurable objectives. Yes. Right. And they're not measurable if they're words. They're measurable if he knows three letters of the alphabet. Now he knows 22. Okay, great. I've got something. So so to articulate in advance what the goal is that we're looking for. And this is, I love what you're saying, because this, for those of you in my community, this is very much what we look at in the coach approach is, is what's, what are you trying to achieve and how will you know you've achieved it? Yep. And that's really what I hear you speaking to. Yes. How will you know? And it might not look exactly like what you thought it was going to look like, but if you don't set the vision, you're not going to move towards that specificity. And, and that's something else IDEA says. You say in the IEP, who's going to collect it, what it's going to look like, and when it's going to be sent to you. And you see teacher observations. Wait a minute. Now, I want to know that it's going to look like this goal. Just you're going to change the numbers for me. Yes, we will do that. Fine. And the the next question is, how do we know we're getting there, which is the progress reports we've just talked about? And how do we know we've arrived? Well, if the progress reports... Is that number five? How do we know we've arrived? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's really dependent upon the progress reports, the quality. When we sit down, we'll know if we've achieved it. We'll know if we're making progress to getting to the goals. We'll know if we're not. And if we're not, we can call an IEP meeting and say, wait, hey, we're having a problem here. But just mm-hmm. telling me doing good doesn't count. Making progress, moving forward, doing better. Right. <laughs> well, that's about it. And you're accustomed to it. So then the last question is, how do we keep what we have slash where do we go from here? Well, if I've been working on 
numbers from one to 10 and I'm, I achieved one to seven, I know the next step in my goal is going to be eight to 10. Mm-hmm. So I've used the data, the progress reports. I'm, I'm, if this is done correctly, when it comes to IAP time, you already know the present levels of performance of many areas. Mm-hmm. There may be some easy to write an IEP now because I already got the hard part done. I know where the child is. I know we're going to pick up from here and move on. And I know that we have to put this goal in because this behavior has surfaced that we need to put into the IEP. So we don't lose what we have. We continue. Another example would be we've been working on addition. Now let's work on subtraction. Now mm-hmm. let's work on addition and subtraction. Mm-hmm. Lose this part. And that, that happens too. So you put the two together. So that's that. How do we keep what we have and where do we go from here? And you can't do it if you don't continue working on where you articulate what you're doing. So Vaughn, here's the question that jumps out at me. Like what's interfering with the parent's capacity other than knowing this collaborative model and asking questions, you know, in our community, we do the same thing. We're constantly teaching parents to ask more questions and to collaborate, but Mm -hmm. what's standing in their way? Feeling competent enough to ask a question. And, and that's true of anybody at the team, because if the psychologist presents the data, the teachers don't know what those scores mean either because they don't have advanced degrees. And you think they're asking questions? No. You have to be willing to ask and say, I'd like to understand this. Don't overwhelm me. Tell me what a standard score is so that I understand it, please, so that we can go on from here. It is that willingness to ask and not be, con- I'll tell them the question you're asking Teachers want to be asking the same question. Well, what strikes me is that there's a certain vulnerability here. There's a certain willingness to acknowledge what we don't know without without feeling shame for that. That's the same for the teachers. Yeah. And the teachers are not in a position to do that in the same way that we as parents might be able to. But if you're saying, if we don't know it, then we we evaluate it. It's an okay thing not to know it. Don't be the parent who says, I knew you didn't know the answer. That's not collaboration. What you say is, I recognize that. Is there a way we can assess it? And again, all you've heard from me are questions. So the other thing that, that I want to point out in your model here is how important it is for us as parents to understand that our teachers are often at, at as, as much a disadvantage as we are. They aren't trained in this in a lot of this, and yeah. they're learning alongside of us. And so if we if we don't assume that they're the experts, but we assume our part of our role is to is to ask questions in a way to help inform all of us. That's, that's exactly. a really empowering way to be in relationship with the teacher. And that's the key to collaboration. You're asking for their input in a non-threatening way. Yeah. And when they realize that, it's like, okay, then they're going to ask you questions. Wait a minute. What do you see at home? And could you explain what you see at home? Because you see things at home, especially with COVID, that you want to bring into the IEP meeting. I, I wrote an ebook on how to do that, which is based on the collaboration. But it, it's, it's a way of how do I tell Elaine what I'm seeing at home? Okay. Right. It happens here. It looks like this. It's this often. And the teachers will go, okay, we don't see that, but we see this. And the parent says, oh, I see that too. Maybe you, and this is the collaboration. Maybe right. you can tell me what you're doing that I could do at home that helps. 
but I'm telling you, this is really problematic for me, and I see it all the time. So I suspect it's showing up somewhere in school. Well, and I think part of what happens sometimes, and we have to watch our time because it's really time for, for us, believe it or not, to start closing the conversation. But what I'm hearing from what you're saying, part of what happens is that there's this, you should know, you should know, and then where the parent will get to, well, it's happening at, at home. And the teacher will say, well, I'm not seeing that in the school environment. And so there's this kind of questioning of, well, is that really real or who's at fault or that kind of plays up. And this process also diffuses that. It does. And it lets you as a parent say, well, maybe it is only at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was, we would be addressing it. And you as a parent could say, do you have any ideas? Yeah. That I and now they understand once again, you're looking for information, not to help you, but to help your child. Help the kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Spawn, we have to start wrapping it up. Can you tell people, I appreciate this. I love the six questions to simplify collaborative meetings at schools. How can people find out more from you? How can they get in touch with you? Well, uh, oh, and I know we're going to put it in the show notes. So it, yeah. there's a website. Yeah. And of course, this book is. The book is okay. When the School Says No, How to Get the Yes. And the website is. IEP Help. I made it simple so I'd remember it. IEPHelp.com. And it'll be in the show notes. Easy to remember. Is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners today or something that you hope parents will take away from today? Well, I want to share one more thing about this program. When I work with parents and blah, 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 two of them who I don't know wrote me after reading the book and said, and I'll be short, they took the concept and put it in place at work. Mm, yeah. First, they're telling me, yeah, this works great. I said, really? Tell me more. No, what I want to tell you is now our, because they were leaders in their work groups, we have, we're getting fewer questions. We're getting more done. Meetings are shorter. We have yeah. less meetings. We know where we are. So it's a concept that can work. Collaborative every- problem solving. It works yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I love it when, when somebody says, yeah, I know that was great. It really helped with my kid, but it really helped me with my team. exactly (laughs) and you go all right i know fabulous fabulous so i had asked you earlier if you had a fun rap or a motto or a quote and you've got a quote on your website that you said you wanted to share well it's a concept that we believe in and it's giving you tools and accurate knowledge to advocate for your child we don't want you dependent upon us We want to give you the information that you can carry into the IEP meeting and the next one and the next one and the next one and become more and more reliant. But we do that with whatever it might be. There are a lot of things on my website you can access and make sure that it's accurate, not just poof, you know, here, I said so. That doesn't Not going to work, right? No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your, the simplicity and the clarity of your message very, very much. Really, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. And it was fun. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. And I so, listeners as well. Everybody, our guest has been Von Lair, and iephelp.com is the resource. And I know I've referred to it a lot, especially since we started talking in during the pandemic. 
you know, there's a lot going out there for parents advocating for your complex kids, particularly in this day and age. Yeah. And asking these six simple questions, really taking a collaborative approach to problem solving, really keeping your eye on the child can make a huge difference. So I encourage you to, to write down these things, check out the show notes. We'll have it there. Yeah. Can I add one more, one more thing? Day. Yeah. Just be open to the answers and listen to what's being said. Don't close them because there's information yeah. there. Yeah, if we oh. stay open and we listen, we don't try to to interpret it or judge it. Just be open to what it is. Then we can we can resolve any issue and really address all the challenges if we're willing to be open about what those challenges are. Well said. Well said. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for being here to all of you listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for what you're doing for yourselves and your kids. At the end of the day, you make a difference. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.